When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Find Calvin Klein Euphoria for Men, 50 mil, now only $39.99. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. It's a quarter to eight on SENZ. Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. And joining us out of the UK is BT Sport commentator Adam Summerton. Uh, morning, Adam. Are you just about just about recovered from that Champions League final and, <laughs> and, and that weekend of football, that week of football? Morning, all. Yeah, I, to be honest, I'll, I'll be totally honest with you. Uh, it's rather wiped me out, and I just woke up after about a three-hour during-the-day sleep. So I've got... <laughs> I've been out to Prague as well, and the whole week's kind of caught with me a bit. But uh, yeah, it was it's it's been great. Um, the, the final for for West Ham in Prague was quite an occasion to be at. It was such a shame that more supporters couldn't be there. I think it was only in the end about seventeen, eighteen thousand because of the size of the stadium. But it, and a fantastic achievement from West Ham, a club that hadn't won a trophy or major trophy since nineteen eighty, and then of course City complete the travel only the second English club to do that and. They win their first Champions League title. It's been a long time coming. It wasn't the greatest of games, but you know they've got the job done. And I thought it was a an underrated in terms of its quality finish from from Rodri to win the, to win the game. It was a fantastic finish, all right? That side foot from outside the box, but it absolutely rocketed. Uh, you you cover a lot of the Serie A. You're you're always on Serie A games for BT Sport right throughout the season, so you're probably a better place than most to comment on Inter Milan, uh, or Internacional as they like to be called. Uh, what did you make of them in the final, and how much faith did you have that they might be able to cause an upset in this final going into it? I had quite a bit, to be honest. I felt a bit silly during the week, because everybody I spoke to seemed to think I was crazy when I said I thought that Inter would cause... Manchester City problems and what I meant by that was that I thought that they would give them puzzles to solve I didn't necessarily think that there was any chance of Inter going there and you know beating City 2 or 3 nil as, as maybe a lot of people thought might be the opposite outcome but I did feel having watched them particularly in cup competitions where their record is absolutely exceptional they've won both cup competitions in Italy this season uh, the Supercoppa and the Coppa Italia I, I did think that they had the capability to, 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 to as I say give Pep Guardiola things to think about and make life difficult for them. And I have to say, I think that's what they did do, really. And they were very, very unlucky not to equalise at the end. I mean, they had enough chances, if you think about it, to win it. Um, I think they hit the woodwork twice. They had the one that got cleared off the line as well. Um, they're a side who are able to play in different ways, which is a thing that I really admire about Inter under Inzaghi. If you think about the, the first leg of the semi-final against Milan, very different opposition. They took the game to them, scored very early on. 
might have had the tie settled within the first half an hour, really, the way that that, that tie started. Yet in this game, they played it very differently. You know, some people would say it was defensive, but I think there's a big difference between being defensive and defending well. Uh, and I think that's what we saw for the large part from Inter last night. So I think they can emerge from it, particularly when you look at the season as a whole, from um, in cup competitions with a lot of credit. In the league, it wasn't good enough. They lost 12 times. They should be, when you look at their squad, one, they, well, even, even now I would still argue that they have the best squad on paper in Italy. But, of course, Napoli have won the title by a mile. I do not want to put a downer on, on what Manchester City have been able to do, but uh, Rick Dog's uh, forcing me to. I'll look like the bad guy here. But <laughs> Manchester City, with what's going on in the background, obviously the charges against them and everything like that. What is this... Uh, a statement from them going forward. Is this going to come back and and, and maybe put a a blink in the road on, on their journey? Is there anything going to come out of this in a couple of years' time when, when they come back to this? Or is that a stake in the ground to say, no, nah, let's move forward? Well, I think that obviously supporters of rival clubs will always point mm. to the charges that still hang over the club, charges that they've mm. defended the, themselves against rigorously and vigorously. Um, so that, you know, we're still yet to get to the end of that particular story. That there is no doubt about that. Um, but it, it's it's very difficult, really, to be honest, to comment because the, the, these issues are, are unresolved or undecided in terms of the, the Premier League um, issues. Anyway, with those charges, we haven't got to the, a conclusion from that. And I have to say to you that I don't think we'll get to a conclusion to that for a very long time. And this is something that will drag on and on and on through the courts because City, as I said, they're determined to defend themselves in the courts and they insist that they've done nothing wrong and they are in a position where they're able to employ very good legal counsel who will continue to fight that. So I can only really judge personally on what I see on the pitch and I have to say that, yes, this is a club that has spent an enormous amount of money. There's no getting away from that. But that, that isn't, isn't unusual. I mean, you look at... I mean, you look at, for example, how much Manchester United have spent in, in the same sort of time frame and they've not got anywhere near the heights that this Manchester City side. I mean, Everton have spent, I think Everton spent some like half a billion pounds and, and, and nearly got relegated twice. So there's having money and there's, there's spending it well and, and there's having money and spending it badly. And I, and I think that whatever team you support, whatever colour of your team, I think it's undeniable Whilst, yes, Manchester City have had a ridiculous amount of money to spend, they're basically owned by a nation state. That money has been invested well, and the structure of the club is very hard to question in terms of, you know, that they've got it right behind the scenes to get it right on the pitch, if that makes sense. Adam, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, the, you mentioned it at the top, there are only two teams out of England that have won the treble, United in 99 and now the City team. And there's a lot of back and forth about which is the better team because people like to do that. Uh, you know, arguments from one side will just say how, you know, Man City's record this season is better than United's was, say, in the league. They won more games, etc. Uh, others will say, well, United had homegrown players. They did it with academy players, etc. as well. So there's arguments both ways. Where do you sit on it? Yeah, I'm always a little bit uncomfortable trying to compare teams from different eras because I think it's so hard to do that because football changes, stylistically it changes as, as time goes on. Um, 
I mean, I had a conversation actually with an ex-player player who played in the 90s the other day, Don Hutchison and Robbie Savage I was working with as well. And they were saying, look, we don't buy it that players are miles fitter these days, that we felt that we were that we really fit back then as well. So there's all sorts of you know, these conversations about well, what would happen if the class of 99, that that team played this team. And it's very, very hard. I think what I would say about the Manchester United side of 99 is, I think the fact that there were all those homegrown players makes it really, really special. I mean, I'm not a Man United fan. You know that, Ricardo. You are, I know. But that would make that an incredibly... Well, it is. I mean, it's no denying it. It is an absolutely incredibly special achievement to do that with so many players who came through the club's youth system. So I think whilst I would never directly compare the sides because I just don't really see that it's a valid comparison... I think in terms of what it would mean to me as a, as a football supporter, first and foremost, the romanticism of having that team with so many of them were homegrown, that, that counts for a lot for me. I don't take anything away from this Manchester City side that Guardiola has put together a team that plays incredible football. They are very difficult to beat. And, and in some ways, Erling Haaland has been, I know he didn't score last night, but you could say in many ways... Perhaps he has been that that final missing piece in a, in a if, what is a a wonderful jigsaw. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Twenty-two-year-old Erling Haaland uh, scored fifty-two goals across all competitions, mate. He is probably the name that rings across many mouths around the globe. What can we expect from him uh, going for? Like Ashley Cole, I think, come out and said second-year Blues potentially for Erling Haaland. You can't see that happening. He is on another level at the moment. Yeah, I'm, I, I'd be surprised if that were the case. I mean, whether he'll hit the absolute same heights that he has done this season, which are on a level that really we've really, rarely, if ever, seen in the English game. I mean, you're talking going back to names like Dixie Dean and people like this, you know, from way back when. I mean, I know Clive Allenson, when I worked with quite a bit, scored all those goals one season as well. But if you take it across all competitions... Uh, his record is quite remarkable uh, and he is he can have games where he doesn't really do a great deal or he doesn't look like he's doing a great deal and then he'll, he'll pop up and score two or three goals you're like where did that come from and he's somebody who's very economical in terms of the number of chances he requires to score goals um, and I, I just think it's not really for me looking at I disagree really with Ashley Cole to be honest that and I haven't heard what he said so I, but what if, if he's saying that he thinks that he might get found out in his second season, I, I don't know whether that's what he said. But if he had, I, I wouldn't agree with that because I just think that he's proven beyond doubt. I think this season that he's and before at Dortmund that he is the absolute real deal. 